right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best, you got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcast. Hello and welcome to your podcast. This is Gary Schaller. And I'm Ken Mills. And on this edition of the podcast, we're going to set sail with the hottest band in the land for the very first ever Kiss Cruise. Give this a listen. We're very happy to have joining us right now Christopher Royer. He's also known as CWR18. If you go to any of the KISS message boards, um, be sure to drop him a line and say that you heard him on the podcast. And he was on a very cool boat. Tell us all about it. Hey, guys. Hi. Welcome to the show. Won't you let me take you on a KISS cruise? It was just an amazing event, and we're still still thrilled and uh, bubbling with excitement. Uh, There was a lot of other guys on the board who went. Um, you saw that uh, a handful of them gathered together, and we got a couple photos to memorialize that there were some other guys who were there who just, I guess, wanted to stay incognito, uh, Sugar Daddy, Futon, a couple other guys. And um, maybe the next time this happens, they'll be you know, more apt to get together. But what a just great event. It was actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I'm on 47, going on 48, uh, you know, been a, been a longtime fan like you guys, and um, – I I did not uh, think it was going to be as good as it was. It really exceeded my expectations. I knew I'd have a great time, but uh, I was just really blown away by the whole thing, start to finish. And I think the, the people on the boat were, too. What was it about this event in particular that made you a little skeptical? First of all, if you guys recall, when the cruise was announced, there was a lot of blowback by some guys. I mean, there was a lot of uh, anti-cruise publicity. You know, it's the <laughs> most un-rock and roll thing they've ever done. It's over. Um you know, this is something, a cruise that is that is the antithesis of what the band was about. So you've had that. And I think other than that, I just kind of wondered um, what they could do on a boat. You know, you know on a cruise you can't have pyro, you can't have the, the bombastic stage show that we know the band is for. And so uh, other than the, the idea of an acoustic set, which I knew would go over well in general, um, I was curious about how they could fill up four four solid days um, and would it would it have the intrigue factor or would it be like, okay, great, uh, you saw the Sail Away show and the rest of the time you're just kind of you know, stringing minor things together. But that's not the way it was. Um, and I think the thing that I underestimated was the enthusiasm of the, the fan base. I thought it was just going to be um, people who, w- who would go more for amusement. And I expected a lot more families. I expected a lot more uh, you know, vacationing families who had money to blow and just decided, okay, we'll do this, almost thinking it was like a hobby. But the cruise was really, really filled with fans, real fans from around the world, people who were there to see Kiss, uh, who were quite knowledgeable um, and were passionate about their uh, their fandom. Um, you, know, you, had the, you had a lot, you know, you had you had some families and you had some fair weather people, fair weather people. But I was I was blown away by that, and that's what made it work. Every time you sat down to eat, every time you went up to a bar, every time you were in an elevator, every place you went, you, you could start a conversation and connect with people who sort of had that same vibe you did. And I know you guys know exactly what I mean. You see it on your radio show all the time, and that was that was the thing that really sent it over the top for me. And, uh, Chris, we can see through our video interview, we see uh, this lovely lady there at your side. Uh, is, is that your wife? 
That is the beautiful Linda. And she went on the cruise with you as well. She absolutely did. And she was uh, very fortunate because she got to get uh, one little one-on-one with Paul. Oh, wow. Oh, very cool. Do you care if we talk to her? No, absolutely. And you are Chris's wife. What's your name? I'm Chris's wife. My name is Linda. I am a KISS fan. I came to uh, the KISS party late in life, not like you guys who probably uh, started when you were teenagers. Were you a KISS fan when you met Chris, or did it happen afterwards? It happened afterwards. I, I, I knew of their songs, and I liked some of their songs, but I was not into them the way I am now. He exposed me to more music. Yeah, I, he exposed me to a lot more about KISS and then I became a, a bigger fan. I became the big fan I am today. Who is your favorite member of the band? I would have to say Gene. And, and why Gene? I think he's very intriguing. He's he's very deep. He's has this ability to, well, he's always thinking about how to make money. He's, he's very business oriented. And I know a lot of people don't like that about him, but I think that's the interesting part about him. Uh, what was your favorite part of the cruise? I would have to say the Sail Away show was the favorite part for me because I knew it was unique, something that we probably wouldn't see again. And even if they have another cruise, I felt like it would never be done this way. I, I felt like the questions that came in, it would, it, they may never be allowed to be answered, you know, that way that they may be in the future, maybe they would be screened better. There would just be something different about it. So it was the sail away show, the whole spontaneity of it, that they just kind of, that they didn't know the music. I liked that some of the things that they didn't, it wasn't scripted. They didn't know all of the songs, and I thought that was interesting. I thought it made it authentic and very real and, and just purely enjoyable for everybody. I think people enjoyed that. As a kiss wife, what is the, what is the geekiest thing that your husband has? Like the one thing that you like, I can't believe you bought that, honey. Well, I know what it is. It's his uh, kiss necklace that he actually gave me. It's uh, a super cheap-looking 70s little kiss. It's this kiss. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea why he would have ever gotten it, or I can't even imagine him ever wearing it because he would never wear <laughs> a necklace ever. I have it hanging in my jewelry for safekeeping. So I think that's probably... The strangest, you know, it's actually, yeah, I would have to say that or the the crazy kiss uh, carving he made in woodshop. But actually, I can understand the woodshop carving. It's the necklace that's probably definitely the the craziest thing. The most, how how could that be, item that he would have? (laughs) Well, I guess the the, the big question for you is would you do it again? The the, uh, not, Not your marriage, but the kiss cruise. I would absolutely do it again. As I was saying earlier, I don't think the next cruise will be the same as this one. I can't imagine that it could be because this was, you know, the maiden voyage, so it's going to be unique just because everything has been untried. Maybe the next one will be better. Maybe it'll be a little bit worse. I really don't know, but it'll be it'll be a kiss cruise, and I definitely want to be there. And uh, the only person I want to be there with is my husband, so hopefully he's going to be uh, getting us the good seats again. <laughs> So then you two are still in the love boat. Yeah, exactly. The love boat. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you for taking it was, some... first, it was my first cruise and I said I would, I could never see myself taking a cruise. So this really made it perfect and, and just the fact that it happened to be kissed made it completely worthwhile, enjoyable, unique, you name it. I can't say enough good things about it. And I think my impression is everybody had a fabulous time. Oh, 
you know this. You know all these. I'm not going to say, you know this. Of course you know this one. This is a kiss cruise. first day how did you get to the boat well you know the first day really is the first night uh, because the night before they had an official pre-party at a bar in uh, in south miami called the transit lounge it was sponsored by sixth man the the cor- corporation that ran the cruise and so a lot of people went there and that's where i'd arranged to meet another board member this guy from finland pollux uh, p-o-l-l-u-x pollux oh pollux I posted the next day and I was talking to, uh, uh, Necronomicon, Matt Walters, telling him, you, you would not believe being in a bar where you have just kiss music, you know, pounding through the stereo system full blast. You're not hearing, you know, Beth or 
I was made for loving you. You're hearing like, you know, tomorrow and you're hearing like dark light and things like that cranked up and everyone's drinking and yelling. That was a, a great uh, send off for it and uh, got people hyped up. They had a guy there putting on makeup uh, on anyone for free and there was just general revelry there. And then they had uh, this band. I, I forget the name of them. They were on the boat too, the big ass cover band or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. And they do nothing but classic rock covers and they did a live set there as well. The big, uh, the big rock show, I think you're maybe right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the next day, uh, we drove down to the port of Miami, just parked in an off lot, um, a few blocks away to save a little cash. Um, got the shuttle there and the, the six man had sent everybody these beautiful laminated, uh, luggage tags that are permanent, like these beautiful plastic tags that have the logo on them. You have those on your luggage. You know, you see other people, uh, pulling up. They have the same, uh, tags. And everyone is wearing kiss shirts and kiss outfits. And then you go inside and, you know, get in line, do your end process and get your tickets. And it was just a very exciting feeling, uh, being around you know, hundreds and hundreds of people all going for the same event. It's kind of like a, kind of like a concert pre-party in the old days for the general admission shows when you were outside for like uh-huh. two hours. And some guys, and especially the cold weather shows, you know, probably can't remember some going to spectrum shows. You're like in a sort of indoor area before you get into the actual doors. And it was just uh-huh. kind of that vibe. You, you posted a picture. Was, was, was this the day that you took the ferry over? Was, was this where Eric Singer was sitting with you? Yeah, that was just so wild. This is the, you know, the, the first day happens, you know, everybody gets on the boat. We had a sail away cruise and all the festivities that night. The next day people get up and the boat's already gotten to Half Moon Cay. Um, a, a private island there in the Bahamas that uh, the Carnival owns. And so you just take a little ferry. They left probably about every 15 or 20 minutes from the, the main ship and would, would dock up there on the beach. And they just went back and forth for, for six, eight hours. And we were coming back and just sitting there, hanging out, talking to some people next to us, started about talking about Kiss. The guy was a fireman. And we were talking about the guy before who had his fire hat signed on the on the stage and just making new Kiss friends. You know, how long have you been a fan? The whole thing. And then right when we got to the boat, somebody said, you guys, do you realize Eric was right behind you the whole time? And I said, no way. And, I, you know, I hadn't thought anything about it, but we went back and we checked our photographs. And we had taken pictures of ourselves and our new friends right there. And he was sitting literally just one row behind us. And, you know, I, I wasn't, my vibe wasn't on because I wasn't looking for a guy with the goatee, even though he had played that way in the Sailway show. I just wasn't thinking like that. And I would have never imagined, but he was hanging right there, just right behind, just with his girl, chilled out. No one bothered him. I mean, if anyone had said anything to him or taken this picture, I would have noticed because I was right next to him. But it was that kind of, I think, engagement or lack of engagement that made this thing so exciting for Linda and I. You know, we're just like, wow, it's 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 actually cooler to have done it that way. As opposed to everyone going, oh, there's Eric and all these people piled around trying to shake his hand and get a picture. He was just hanging out with us, and then you know he felt comfortable enough just to get up and walk off the boat. No security, nothing. So it was very cool. The the band was walking around the ship, and you you uh, talked to Paul, right? Yeah, uh, we just happened to be on the seventh floor, and that just happened to be where they ended up putting the band. We had no idea they were there. Uh, you know, no one had ever told anyone in advance, and I never imagined we would ever see the band. But we quickly realized, hey, there's these dudes in security shirts and they're sitting just sitting in chairs at certain places in the hallway to sort of restrict movement you were probably thinking i wonder if this is where the podcast guys are staying right right and no we were we were in the mess hall we were doing dishes yeah we we were like shoveling the coal in or whatever it is 
I just wish you guys were there. I really wish you guys had come in. You've got to do it next time. We are, you know, just in our room and coming back from doing something and good grief. There's, you know, Paul Stanley is just walking down the hallway. It's this cruise ship. It's very narrow. It was in the afternoon and it's just him, a security guy who was like in front of him and that's it. And there's no one else in the hallway. And it was just, again, one of these very cool things where it wasn't like, stop. Oh my God, Paul, can I have your auto take a picture? It was just like, Hey, how you doing? That was it. Just walk by. And that happened two or three times exactly how much, uh, you know, how passionate fans are. And we were like, it's just nice to be there. And we were just very laid back. Hey, have a good one. And that happened a couple of times. And, uh, one time I was coming out of the gym in the morning and Tommy just walking in with some, he had like a guy with him, but he's just walking in. You know, it says, hey, Tommy, how you doing? He's like, hey, thanks a lot. And the same thing happened with Eric and then eventually Gene. Um, just as a quick aside, you know, everybody loves Paul and Gene. Um, and so I knew that um, I decided I wanted to give something to Tommy and Eric. And so I took all of my black and blue clippings from, I mean, you know, 20 plus years, all of my cold gin clippings, and I put them all in uh, document protectors and then put them in a three ring binder. Um, posters, everything folded up. And I did the same thing for Eric with all his like Badland stuff and more Revenge era. And I was able to give that to both of them because of that situation. I didn't, I, I said, you know what? I may not be able to give these to these guys. I mean, maybe I should run down in you know, a sailaway show and hand it up on the stage. And Linda was like, no, no, you know, just hold on to it. You never know. And that's what happened. These dudes walk right by my room. I'm like, Eric, can you wait one second? I have something to give you. So I just walked in my room. I handed it to him and it was just re- very cool. Very That's cool. awesome. Yeah. And Paul, how, how, did, how did he react? Um, Tom, the, with Tommy, it was really cool because I, I told him earlier, I said, I have something for you because I, I figured they'd be walking by again. And so, you know, the next day or eight hours later, he came by. I said, here it is. And he stopped a second. He kind of flipped through. He said, thanks a lot. He was going to sound check. When they finished their ch- sound check, they came back uh, the same way. And I, I knew to be waiting and he came back and the, the door was open. We were just chilling out and he kind of stopped and he, he held it up. He was still holding the binder. So he had carried it to sound check, done the sound check and, and come back still holding it. He just did, didn't dump it off to some guy, which I thought was very cool. And he held it up and he goes, he goes, thanks a lot for this. There are some old pictures there I haven't seen in a long time. So he was really cool about it. Eric, when he came by and I gave him his, um, he, had, and this was the following day, um, uh, we hadn't seen Eric in the hallway yet. When I handed it to him, he he must have known that Tommy had one and recognized it or something. He goes, didn't you give one to Tommy? I goes, yeah. And he goes, I bet it only had one picture in it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, you know, that was Eric's kind of sense of humor. And so that was, you know, again, um, you know, we didn't ask for pictures or autographs or anything. The only thing was Paul had come by so many times. The last time he came by, you know, my wife, I said, hey, my wife actually asked, said, Paul, do you mind if I take a picture? And he's like, sure, go ahead. She asked him permission. And I got a nice, she got a picture of me with him standing at the door signing our little door sign. And then I flipped around and took a quick picture of, of her with him that really came out good. Um, Gene, you know, Gene was mogling and he, you know, ha- he must have had some deal with his, uh, you know, special base company or whatever. And they had like racks at his bases and he was, I guess, giving people like one on one. Um, special time and, you know, meet and greets if they bought one of his things. And so 
there were some guys down the hall that we eventually hung out with, made friends with, and got them in our big picture. Um, the guy's a pathologist um, in in uh, in Savannah, and uh, he plunked out like just pulled his credit card out, swiped it for three grand so he could get a Dean Basin, went in there and in this uh, you know room and just hung out with Simmons and talked to him. And Gene even Gene even at the guy's request put black makeup on his face, the Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons, uh, uh, you know, demon face on this dude. Um, wow. And, uh, and so we saw them the following day and I'm looking at the guy and he's just, he looks like a guy who had like makeup on his face from the night before and didn't take it off. And he told <laughs> me the story and he said, I'm not taking it off until I get home to prove it to my daughter. So that was kind of neat.
better than I thought. Wow. Chris, I heard that the members of KISS were walking up and down the hallway signing the doors that they liked because they had the door contest, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Ken. And it was so strange how I saw this kind of unfold in front of my very eyes. We were just walking back to our cabin in the afternoon, I think, of the second day. And we're just walking down the hallway, and some people had endeavored to decorate their doors. It started as soon as people got there. Six Man had encouraged people to do it, and I would say maybe 20% of people did it. But the doors were being decorated. There were some very cool and unique designs. So we're walking to our room down the hallway, and all of a sudden we kind of heard a slight commotion to the back of a system movement, and the, and the guy said, you all need to move to the side for a second. And it was a security guy wearing the yellow shirt, and we just plastered ourselves against the wall. And then he walked by, and there's Paul Stanley just walking right by, rolling right by. And he's like, hey, how are you doing? You having a good time so far? We're like, oh, yes, we're having a great time. We're having a great time. And he, he said a few comments, and then he turned to the right, and he just stopped in front of a door. And he just stopped and looked at it. It was a decorated door that somebody had decorated with kiss stuff. And he just pulled the pin out that the person had left there because it said, sign in. And there were you know, maybe 20 or 30 people had already written names on little messages like a college slam book or something and he wrote his name there paul stanley and as he put it up he goes she'll never believe that i actually wrote this and he was he was just saying it out loud he wasn't even saying it to me even though we were only about 10 feet away we hadn't moved as he had gone up the hallway we were still standing there i said don't worry i'll tell her paul don't worry and and he did that i said check our sign out i have an elder thing cabin 7116 or whatever our cabin was and he said it out loud, the cabin number. He said, okay, 7116. And he stopped and he goes, very cool. I said, it's the elder. And he goes, I know, I know. signed it yours as well yeah we saw doc rolling by a little later and he signed it as well uh and you know we could have pushed and had uh you know tommy and eric sign it but and even gene when he walked by but we were just again 
we were just enjoying the vibe and just seeing these guys walk by. When Gene came by, he had been mogling in a room down the hall doing his axe base thing, and there had been people going in and out of this room, in and out, you know, over and over for like about 40 minutes. And I was just waiting. I said, he's going to eventually come down this hallway because he has to go to sound check. And eventually he did. And by that time, no one trailed after him because those people who were satiated, they'd gotten their Gene Simmons fixed, and he just was walking down the hallway. We were towards the end near the elevator where they were going in, him and one security guy. And I'm just standing there, and I looked at Gene, and I said, Gene, you're going to be late for sound check. And all he did, all he did was he pointed to the, the the guy in front of him like it's his fault, and he just kind of gave me the look. But it was just, it was just really cool. Were there many uh, much of a reaction as far as the family jewels? The the they were just recently married. Was there any mention of that? I didn't I didn't see much of that. I did not see much of that. Um, if you look at the um, the Q and A or the um, acoustic set, I know there were a few like jokes about him being married. I think Craig Gass made some joke like, you know, you don't need to talk anymore, Gene. You're married, but no. <laughs> now, how long have you been a fan, and what what album was uh, out at that point? I can't match you, Ken. Um, <laughs> well, no one's as old as me. I, you know, I'm almost 48. In in late '76. And my dad was an army guy and I lived overseas in Panama. So, you know, you have to imagine that you have even less, uh, in an overseas place. But mm-hmm. one of my friends, um, down the street, his brother had Kiss Alive on a double cassette, white plastic cassette with blue lettering double cassette and, uh, no, no cover, just the tape. So there was no picture or image or anything like that. Um, but, uh, he played it for me and I was kind of like, hmm, what's that? Flash forward like a, a week or a month later. At the junior high, we had a dance and the cover band, which I can remember their name was Omega. They did rock and roll all night. And I said, oh, I, I know that song. I've heard it somewhere. Then I had a sleepover at a friend's house. A little later, he had the rock and roll all night, 45, the blue label. And then, you know, before – this is seventh grade for me. Before seventh grade had ended, another guy had said, I'm a big Kiss fan. Come to my house. He showed me the albums. Um, at that point, everything after rock and roll over was out. Um, and, you know – I'm so naive. The way I would, re- the way you recorded an album back then was you took your cassette player, you pressed record, and it was on the condenser mic, and you would lay it on the speaker. Then you realize you can't do that. You have to put it away from the speaker. But you know, those are my first Kiss recordings on a condenser mic. Um, you know, uh, with, from one speaker, not even uh, two speakers. But um, you know, the first album I went out and bought, I think I spent, I bought Rock and Roll Over and Destroyer at the same time. And where 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 I was living at that time. Rock and roll over and destroy costs four dollars and fifty cents each. That's what they cost. No uh, tax. It was on a military base. No tax. Four fifty each. But that was a lot of money back then. But did you think ever think when you were that 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 young teen that you'd be walking around a boat with Paul and Jane? Of course not. And as Gary would tell you from his type of practice, I don't think you're even programmed or even capable of thinking like that when you're you know you're 13 years old. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, just yeah. No, sure. You just, you know, you you just, you can't, you don't even possibly think like that. Hi, this is Eric Singer of Kiss, and you're listening to Pod Kissed. So let's go through each day. Yeah, Kiss Fan Log, day one on the cruise. We are so fired up and excited for the Sail Away show, and we know it's coming. Uh, From looking at the schedule that we're going to see that Sail Away show, it's going to be around 5 o'clock. And we also know that they're going to have the safety briefing. At like around four o'clock, we blew off the safety briefing. We, we <laughs> hid, we hid in our cabin. 
while they're saying everyone has to report to, you know, the far end of the boat and get your safety briefing. And I told Linda, I said, the second that thing ends, I'm sprinting to the top. I had already, we'd already scoped our spot out. We knew exactly where we were going to be. That safety brief ended. I sprinted up there, got the spot. She, she got up there and people were doing the same thing. People were just trampling over each other to get upstairs to the Lido deck to the show. That was definitely mayhem. Uh, for the space jockeying. And, of course, people plowed into the pit to get close. We were further back. Uh, my wife wanted to take some video, and we're not the, the, the pushing folks anymore. But the the Sail Away with Show was great. It did take a long time to start. You know, the boat pulled out. Um, it took a while. I was uh, texting uh, Matt Walters and the Chronomicon. It, it was uh, a lot of excitement. When they came out, they fired the crowd up with the, uh, the camera, uh, got people cheering. But it, it did take a while for them to come out. When they came out, it was just so relaxed. It was so laid back and relaxed. And that's what was surprising to me, how laid back it was. It was just very relaxed and laid back. It wasn't oppressive volume. It wasn't anything like an electric show would be. It was just very relaxed. The weather is perfect. There's a breeze. After a while, the sun went away. And so, and the show itself, kind of going back to what you said before, Ken, you know, were you skeptical? You know, that was one of the things people had said, it's not going to be any different. They're just going to whip out the same old dry stuff, maybe some of the stuff I'm unplugged. Um, it's just Gene taking your money. You're going to be trapped on the boat, you know, all that. But if you if you look at that set list, I mean, from the beginning, from the first song, Hotter Than Hell, acoustic version opening, to me, uh, the set list was interesting, uh, inventive, unique, and surprising. One, two, three, acoustic song either i mean it's it's most it's most definitely not one of the ones that you'd expect to hear hotter than hell yeah you guys know more than me on that but absolutely and to hear like i love it loud i mean i was looking at matt's comments coming back to me and a couple times he put question marks like are you sure um <laughs> you know have you had too many you know beers already but uh you know when when they hit shandy um on like whatever like the fourth or fifth song that's when i really felt like okay this is going to really turn into something special i know there's a lot of back and forth about well you know they just did snippets of uh, just a boy and blackwell and i and just snippets of anything from my baby but you know what if you were there and if you watched the video you you just sense this sort of thing that, that linda talked about they were just having fun yeah maybe they didn't rehearse those songs um and they weren't wheeling them out to the you know the enjoyment of some of the super hardcores but it was so relaxing they were having fun the guys were smiling and gene and paul were like huddling between songs and they were cracking jokes and laughing 
it was just a, a nice vibe to be there, to experience that and to see that. Tommy, uh, at least from the way I saw that, he seemed the guy who was the driving force with playing the uh, the more obscure songs on the electric shows. And he even went out of his way to say in one of the, one of the bits on the acoustic piece, hey, you're going to hear some songs tonight we've worked hard on. And I'm, I'm sure he was the motivating force. Yeah, I got that sense from watching the YouTube clips. Like he had to, you know, um, and he and, and, and Eric as well kind of had to just be focused because there was a little bit of like a train about to de- derail, you know, quality to it. And not necessarily in a bad way, but just in a kind of unrehearsed, you know, anything could happen. And I, I remember having a similar, you know, feeling about like not the MTV Unplugged show in 95, but some of the other, like the the other shows on that tour that like, whew, it's good that Eric and Bruce did their homework kind of thing. Yeah, yeah because Paul and Gene just seemed so casual. They did, did right. and, and they they were doing things that weren't completely rehearsed. And that's you know that's one of the things that you know you hear so much negativity about that the guys are so programmed. But that's what I saw, and that was the thing that was just so satisfying to see that uh, to see that spontaneity come out and to see Gene like shaking his head, going, "I don't know the song, I don't know this." <laughs> right. And just, you know, Paul going, "I don't know this, I wrote it," and you hear the audience sort of picking it up. They seemed like they were having a good time. I was really, really satisfied and, and pleased with that first part. The acoustic show, the sail away show, exceeded my expectations. Perfect weather, perfect temperature. It was just a lot. It was just a lot of fun, and all the fans' excitement, and the, all the people from different countries there, and the the vibe in the ship was very international. That was really neat. So that was you know that that was the first day. By the time that show ended, and we got a bite to eat, we were pretty spent, especially from partying hard the last night. And they had other things on the. Um, on the cruise, and some of the other guys, like Laura Kiss, um, great, great poster, and just a dynamic fan of from New York. This, those dudes, man, they're hardcore. They like went to, to absolutely everything. And uh, Lynn and I kind of faded out after that on Thursday. Um, they had lures to keep you going. They were like, if you go to the, you know, some costume party at 11 o'clock, they give you free kiss pajamas. I passed on mm-hmm. that. Uh, the casino night, you know, having, you know, Eric, Eric was going to be there at, at 10 o'clock at the casino. If you went there to, to blow some money and Tommy had his guitar or his putt putt thing going at eight o'clock, um, you know, kind of begged off on that. After seeing the show, we just chilled out and uh, hung out with some friends and talked about the show. And that was what was so neat. You know, imagine if you guys were there together uh, with your girlfriends, or your spouses are just hanging out you or, know, or, or our spouses and our girlfriends. Yeah, I was okay. going to say, you know, that that seems like it would be um, a very different experience. You know? <laughs> Um, what was the one song that you heard on the Sail Away acoustic show that you didn't think you'd hear at all? The one song that just blew you away? I, I was, it was obviously the Elder Tunes. Um, it was, it was definitely the Elder Tunes when those things happened. You know, I was just, I, I on Linda's uh, audio, she can hear me kind of like gasp a couple times and, you know, I'll be telling her the name, telling her the name of the song and I was just blurting it out. And when I was texting Matt Walters, Necronomicon, Necro, I'm just like, you know, having trouble even getting the right things. My thumbs are flailing because I'm trying to perceive and write it, and it's going so quick. And it's like you never thought you would see that, and so time sort of slows down in a way. It was Time was really kind of slowing down, um, and I can remember exactly doing that. Even though it only only maybe was 15 seconds or 20 seconds, at the time I perceived it as like a minute or two um, because you're there just soaking it in. But that was just, you know, amazing to see. I really, really, really enjoyed that. I was happy too for like the Aussie fans when they did Shandy. Um, you could, you know, really see how they enjoyed it. But the Elder Tunes, man, those were the ones that just were surprising. Uh, 
Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podcast. Yeah, Kiss Fan Log, stay tuned now. My wife and I are both big fitness people, so get up, go work out, take our time. I'm working out, and Tommy's walking in, and just so laid back. Hey, what's up? Great show. Thanks a lot. So I went down, I said, I just see Tommy Thayer just hanging out. Then she said, I think they must be here on the floor. That's who asked those security guys are. So that's that was kind of the start of that thing. Um, on the second or third night, you would see the electric show and the opposite night you would get your picture taken with kiss in groups of four six or eight um so we were going to the show the second uh the second of those two nights saturday night so this is friday night we're going to get our picture taken so linda wants to look her best and so she said whatever we do pictures at six o'clock by three o'clock i need to be here start getting ready so i'm like all right and the picture came out great that was the day we went to half moon k and you know most people are coming from cold weather places, a lot of people, and so they really wanted to go hang out on the beach. And the beach was definitely littered with Kiss fans, people partying, hanging out. And Linda and I met this guy. Um, he was there with his wife. He's from Milwaukee. His name is Tim. And he had the coolest story, Ken. He had just had the greatest story. This guy's like an artist. Um, and back in the uh, animalized era, he had painted this picture of Gene Simmons, this incredible picture. It's actually, if you, if you have history in the back in the fan art, there's a picture of it there. And it's oh. also in, in Gene Simmons' mother's house, in Flora's house, in one of the Gene Simmons Family Jewels episodes, you see it. And, of course, wow. this guy had no idea that was going to happen. He right. went to the, the Animal Eye show, uh, you know, we're talking 84, I guess, and he brings his, his, his oil painting with him. You know, it's like about two by three feet in a frame. And he and his friends claw their way to the front of the stage, and they give it to Gene. And he put a card on the back of it, and lo and behold, Gene actually attempted to get in touch with him, and they, like, sent him something in the mail. Then Simmons actually tried to call him, um, and he missed the call. But <laughs> Gene, sent him, Gene sent him, like, a, 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 a one-off, like, animalized, limited edition cassette tape. He, the way he described it, I'd never seen it, where, it like, folds out three ways, very cool, and a note that thanked him and everything from, from Gene back then. And so what this guy did was... He came to this cruise. He had painted something else, you know, 25 years later. And on the back of this painting, the new painting, he put like a small reproduction of the original painting uh, and a big, long message. And he gave that to Gene Simmons on this trip. So, you know, we you see fans like that who are closing circles, um, who have been fans for 20-plus years, who have that immense dedication. And they came on the cruise, and it was just so cool for me to see. I could see in his eyes and the way he spoke um, and the, his emotion how significant of an event this was, in a good way. And he's there with his wife, and they're, you know, hardworking people like all of us. But this was a special thing for him to be able to do that. That was also the, the, the first day of the first electric show. So we're on the seventh floor, and I could just start hearing this loud thumping bass. And I'm like, okay, you, you think for a few seconds what it could be. It's in the afternoon. It has to be a sound check. So I went downstairs to like the, the doors for the little, the tiny little, you know, opera arena, whatever you want to call it, where the show was. Uh-huh. And there's like no one down there. There is no one. And then I look and there's one dude. He's like inside the, the glass doors, but not inside the, the main uh, doors to the auditorium. And he's squatting down with his head next to the door. And I'm like, this must be Kiss the Sound Check. So I go over and hang out with him and talk to him. And again, we're hearing Kiss do their entire sound check. And we opened the door a couple times and stuck our heads in, and there's guys kind of looked up at us like, you really should close the door. But they were cool. We could see the band on the stage, 
you know, we're hearing the songs that we they ended up playing. And I'm like, if they play those songs, this is going to be a fantastic set. That's when, after the sound check in, and I went back upstairs in the hallway, and that's where we kind of started seeing Paul walk by, Gene, you know, and saw Eric. Flash forward picture time. The picture was very unique. I mean, you have to imagine, Kiss is getting their picture taken. These dudes are getting their picture taken with every person on the boat in groups of, you know, six or eight. And uh-huh. you can just divide it. Like, just say there's 2,000 people. You know, 2,000, you know, divided by wow. six or eight. I mean, that hundreds and hundreds of, of photos were snapped. You know, you lined up, and they had it very, uh, it was very quick, but the band walked in to the room, and it was great. They just kind of walked in past everybody. Everyone's cheering and screaming. You're seeing them in their complete regalia. Very, very exciting. And they go behind this sort of uh, a curtain, and they were actually on a stand, Ken. They're, like, elevated. They're not at the same level as you. Eat and greet pictures. They seem like they're kind of, like, standing your level. They're, like, elevated. The band was, like, uh, elevated and standing just four next to each other, and they would just go, okay, who's the group of six? One, two, three, five, six, or who's your group? And then you just kind of zoom in there. They place you. Hello. Take the picture. No time for shenanigans. Um, you know, and they're, t- they're saying, please don't uh, ask for an autograph or anything. And, like, Laura Kiss on the on the on on the board. His he has a leather jacket that's been autographed by every guy in the band. He managed to just walk in there, hand up Sharpie to Gene and say, "Please sign it again." And and Gene did it. But the picture was quick, but they came out great. There are other bands playing. You had Skid Row, you had the Envy, which I like a lot. Uh, Bad City, uh, Craig uh, Gas, and a few other things going. I had a couple other bands too. Um, but for the, the people who saw the first electric show, that was their show that night. And for all others who wanted to watch it, it was simulcast and you could go out to the Lido deck where the acoustic show had been. And if you look at the pictures, you'll see a big screen behind the band there. They mm-hmm. played the whole, uh, electric show there for anyone who wanted to watch it. I gotta oh, ask wow. this uh, kind of a geek out question here, but was it a multicam, uh, filming or was it like a single cam? You know what? I didn't watch it, Gary, so I don't know. Yeah, I wanted to keep a, I wanted to keep it a, make it a surprise. Right. So we didn't, we didn't want to go, you know, have it be spoiled at all. Uh, well, but, uh, well, let me ask you this. On the Sailaway, what, did, did you notice any, uh, cameras recording anything on the Sailaway concert? Oh yeah. Absolutely. They had professional cameras taking this. Yeah, that's know? what we so, want to hear. Yeah. And also, there was absolutely no restrictions at all on the Sailaway show of recording. And, you know, many, many, many people were taking professional video, and uh, there was no restrictions. There were no one saying, put that down at all. At the electric shows, when they came out before the show started, the uh, the MC did came out and he basically said, look, this is their show. This is uh, a show they're doing for you, the fans. Don't videotape it. You don't really need to. If you've got to videotape it, just, you know, videotape a bit and put it down. Because if they see you videotaping this for long, they're going to shine a light on you and tell you to put it out. He goes, you don't need to take pictures. And he said, please don't take any flashes. Just enjoy the show. So they kind of gave a very nice and polite warning. And for the most part, I, I think people heeded that to some degree. And uh, we we mostly, just for the show, our show on the third night, just watched it. Linda took a little video. We took a, a couple of pictures just to sort of remember the vibe. But I definitely saw professional cameras going for this, the acoustic show, gentlemen. Good, good. Awesome. Yeah, Kiss fan log. Day three was highlighted, of course, by the fact we got to see the the electric show. Shannon was at at the acoustic show, and uh, 
you know, I spotted her and yelled her name, and uh, she hung out on Jean's side of the stage. She looked really nice. She was wearing, a, wearing dark sunglasses, and she was into it. You could see her kind of, like, moving her head back and forth, and she stayed for virtually the entire show. She, I think, maybe oh, left right before rock and roll all night and obviously didn't stick around the meet and greet, but she stayed there. Actually, she did stay stick around for a little bit of the Q&A now that I think about it. So she was there, and then at the uh, electric show we saw, she was there as well as Nick. Shannon, because of her celebrity now, is like you know, her own rock star, and there's just people screaming and clapping, pre-show, of course. People were running down to take her picture with her and to get her to sign stuff, and she was freely obliging. She was up by the soundboard on the second level. We were down much closer, but that I think that adds a whole neat element to it, and uh, you know, we, we really enjoy her. We like her a lot. The, the show we saw, it was, it was very interesting to go because the, the way the seating is, and of course as KISS fans are always consumed with like, where are your tickets, you know, whose side of the stage you're on, how far away, you know, what angle and all that. And this was no different, but they had it, so you had a bench number and, and, a, and a section number, and it was confusing until you went in there, but they basically had put uh, engineer tape on the ground. And they made little tiny squares that was your your little zone. And so you, your ticket got you to a zone, and there was like six squares, and each square accommodated one person. And once you got there, you could get in any square you want. All the seats were good, and it was all close, and there was no pushing or shoving or, you know, weirdness or hysteria or people like trying to push to the front. Everyone basically, from what I saw, stood in their seats. What I did notice was, like, over-the-top um, adulation of the band and just like, you know, when it came to, like, the guitar picks and stuff like that, people just, like, it was like they'd never seen a guitar pick in their life. And I was just like, <laughs> all right, dude, you know, it's just a guitar pick, you know, it's a Kiss guitar pick. There's millions of them, this show and others. But people really were in a frenzy over those. Uh, and I wonder was, if it's a different sort of subset of the Kiss Army, not in, in the sense that, like, they're not the usual Kiss fans, but sort of maybe these are a lot of people, like you said, from other countries or people who, for whatever reason, don't usually go to concerts. But this was like the big event for them was to do this cruise and and like this whole concert experience of getting the guitar picks and hearing them play these songs was a bit novel for them, which is why maybe they were reacting that way. I don't know. I'm sure that was a component of it. I also think uh, a big thing was something you mentioned about uh, fans from other countries. We have we're blessed here with so much access to Kiss as Americans Um, and they uh, folks from other countries, you know, Central America, South America. Uh, they don't have that kind of access, and they were making the most of it. I mean, and I was really, I really enjoyed uh, the show.
you know, let me tell you another really exciting thing that happened that day of the show is, you know, I knew it was me our show and I knew they were going to do a sound check. So I said, honey, I'm going to go down. And, you know, they, you saw Paul walked up. We're going to go. I'm going to go listen to that sound check. And we're listening. They started doing Getaway and I Stole Your Love over and over and over. And I said, they're going to play those songs. And I knew they hadn't played them the night before. I, I sent a, uh, a text or an email to, uh, to Necronomicon. I said, dude, you're going to hear these tonight. There's just no way they're not going to do it. So I, I, you know, I'm trembling with excitement as we're going back upstairs to get, kind of get ready for dinner and the show. I'm thinking, I'm going to hear I Stole Your Love. You know, it's a song I've never heard before. You know, it's going to have that whole feeling of 1977. Awesome. Um, and, and as we're, as I'm walking back to the room, Paul had done town check and we, this is the very back of the boat. So they had like some sort of, you know, freight elevator in the back that no one had access to. And he, they must have come up in that and they came around the corner and all the way our room was, we were just down towards that area. So just by serendipity, I'm walking by and he's, and he goes, Hey, again, I said, I can't wait to hear I, I stole your love, man. It's going to be great. And he goes, it will be. So. <laughs> just a little moment and i just breeze by but for that show to start off like that was just i mean it was just so cool man it was just i mean especially having had that interaction with paul like you know it personalizes it a little bit you know the show itself was kind of bizarre to see the people filling in you know yeah a lot of people were really trying to spotlight themselves and like, like there were some people in front of us in the Midwest and they all had Green Bay Packers jerseys on. So, you know, they were like showing they had their Packer pride. And then there was this Japanese couple that was sitting behind us and they were wearing like kimonos or whatever. I don't have the term right, but the traditional Japanese clothing and they were people who were 50 years old. You so gotta these, wonder if they're the ones in the pictures, you know, <laughs> right? Cause you know, there's pictures of Kiss with, yeah. um, you know, when they were tour- when they were doing their sort of tourist thing in 77, right? Right. Uh, were- I wonder if, yeah, those were those fans. So that was, uh, and you know, the show, uh, itself I thought was very enjoyable. I don't know, what, what are your thoughts on the show? What do you, what's your, uh, your, your, uh, review of those electric shows? I've watched the entire, uh, YouTube concert. You know, the, the, the one that's on YouTube and it just blows my mind. It's, it's one of my favorite shows that I've ever seen, to be honest with you.
last day of the cruise, which would be uh, day four uh, of the Kiss Cruise log, you've heard that the band supposedly after the second show got off the boat. That was the first thing that I saw. They all left the boat. Well, that's not what happened because Eric stayed on the boat the entire time. Um, but apparently the other guys did. At one point on either day two or day three, we're up in the little Internet cafe, small Internet cafe. We just happened to walk by, and Gene was having, like, another mogul event. He had, like, a table set up, and he was having, like, a lunch with himself at the head of the table and, like, maybe four people down both sides and someone at the end. Um, but it was kind of neat. We just walked by. There were, no one's trying to keep you out of it. It's just very laid back, and they had, like, curtains drawn. But as we walked by to get to the Internet Cafe, we had to kind of brush by exactly where they were. So he was doing that. We saw Eric the next morning at breakfast at about, I don't know, 9, 30, 10 o'clock. We were down checking the Internet, and that's and Eric was having breakfast at the same table where Gene had been the same day, the day before. And so we knew he was on the boat still. The very last day, just to flash forward, we had left the boat, and we were curbside waiting for the shuttle to get our car, and Eric walked right up and got in his limo. He got, like, you know, Lincoln Continental pack and stuff, and we just yelled, Eric, thanks a lot, great cruise, and he turned around and waved and hopped in his limo and drove away. The last day uh, is memorable to, memorable to me because that's when I ran into that physician who had his Gene Simmons applied kiss makeup on still, you know, he'd been now, now on about 24 hours and he's still walking around wearing it. But God bless him. You know, that's a, I mean, that's a, that's a hardcore fan. And then we went to the kiss trivia contest. The kiss trivia contest um, was held in the same place where the, the band played that little, uh, that little arena. Mm-hmm. And, there was about 50 or 52 teams that entered into the contest. Wow. And this is just basically people showed up and just kind of impromptu made your team. And so uh, we made friends with a guy named Darren Crowthers. And you probably know of him because he's the dude who ta- tattooed the Kiss Cruise logo on his leg. Did <laughs> yeah, you see that yeah, Kiss yeah, Cruise? Seen that. That's him. He's a British guy, English. And he owns like a record shop um, in in England, south of London, I believe. And this dude, I you know, I when I saw that people were cracking on him about his tattoo months ago, um, all the hate coming at him, I went ahead and just said, I I tracked him down and emailed him. And I just said, hey, I just wanted to learn the story of your tattoo. And the story of that guy's tattoo is pretty profound because he and his wife uh, were pregnant, and they're uh, they were planning to go on this cruise to kind of celebrate the birth of their son, and they lost their son. They lost the child, um, and he decided that he would pay tribute to the whole thing by putting that tattoo there. And whether that's, you know, what you and I would do is not the question. But, you know, it's just funny when you get past the superficial, you know, reasons or the superficial impression you get of things, you realize there may be something a lot more important and profound. So Darren's a good guy, and we hooked up with him and his wife, Ellie, on the boat. He has a, a massive KISS collection that blows away anything I could even think of. And, in fact, he's featured in magazines in England. He showed me the magazines with that big pictures of his his massive KISS collection. So he was on our team, um, and these uh, this pathologist with the crazy KISS makeup on and his brother. Um, and, uh, of course, we were pretty bad. I think we I think we batted about 65% on the questions, but it was a lot of fun. And the coolest thing was seeing these, I mean, ultra diehard guys, um, not just Americans, but uh, there was like some Latin guys because they were doing this chant every time they got a question right. 
And these guys knew everything, every question instantly. And they were challenging the moderators. Uh, the moderators were just some stooges from Sixth Man who had been given all the questions. But they said, look, the questions were given to us by KISS management. And I have no doubt they were, weren't. But these guys were saying that's not exactly right. And they would grab the microphone and say, <laughs> hey, you know, this, that, and the other. You know, like one, one of the questions that I can remember was how many songs from Crazy Nights have been performed live? You know, I mean, that's good grief. I mean, you'd have to, you know, have a Kiss Alive Forever memorized and then know some additional things. Mm-hmm. So he was, this guy, one guy was challenging the answer. He goes, that's incorrect because on this date, at this KISS convention, they played 30 seconds of Thief in the Night or something like that. And so, I mean, just witnessing that was worth the price of admission. Just being there and I was just, and I kept looking by wife, the whole cruise. I'd go, see, what did I tell you about these KISS fans? I said, these people are, they're passionate. They love their band. Um, then at the end of the KISS trivia, when they announced the, uh, the winning team, where they were actually, they were tabulating the results, you know, on the stage. And it turned into sort of like an open mic thing where guys would just get up there and put a question out to try to stump the audience. And they were, you know, one guy I remember got up there and he asked a fairly difficult question. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. He's asking the question. Some guy jumps up, answers it. He gets it right. Then that guy gets up to ask a question, and as he's asking the question, he doesn't even have this out of his mouth. Another dude jumped up and answered it correctly, and people were just, like, clapping because the guy hadn't even finished the question yet, and the guy got it. And then the guy got up there and did, like, a big fake baseball swing like he's hitting a home run. It was just <laughs> a lot of fun. So that was the uh, Kiss Trivia question, uh, the Kiss Trivia contest. Then we, after that was over, we moved down to the other side of the boat for really what I thought was the last uh, really cool thing. And there's only two more things that I want to talk about, this and one other thing. It was the Q&A with Doc McGee. And they said, anyone who wants to write a question, just write a question, and we may or may not pick it. I was lucky enough to uh, have my question asked. Um, I know you're from Nashville. You live in Nashville. Do you like living in Nashville? What's it like? Doc McGee, he would answer the questions very bluntly. Tons of F-bombs dropped. It was not family-friendly at all. And he didn't care. He didn't look around and there was no holding back. And he was just, it was, he was just being very, very, very candid, but it was fascinating here. The last thing we were going to do was we, um, we checked out the kiss lookalike contest and that was so much fun. All the Pauls, the jeans and the different eras were just cool. And they had the dudes from the envy. I don't know if you, uh, if you caught them on the last tour opening there yes. from Canada. Yeah. We, I, actually, we had them on the show. Um, they judged the, the lookalike contest. They put them behind a bar and they judged it. And Sean <laughs> freely said, he goes, you know, I didn't grow up a Kiss fan. I'm not really that big of a fan. I guess he didn't say that before the, the, the tour that he opened on, but he, they judged it and it was so neat to see the different eras and just for, uh, just for some chuckles. I mean, some guy came out as like Paul, like Art Paul, like the, the live to win Paul. Mm-hmm. He had that whole vibe going on and he had like a palette and a paintbrush. <laughs> you know, it was, I mean, I was like, that guy, you know, he gets my boat. And they had a, they had like an, they had like an asylum era Paul. Um, they had like an elder era Paul. And then they had, you know, many, many, many destroyer slash love gun slash alive era Pauls. Those guys dominated. The Ace Fraley, uh, guys, the guy who won had gone all out and he was a dead ringer for Dynasty Ace. The wow. Kate, his, his front costume lit up. He had all the jewels. It was electric and he was huge. The guy was like about 6'5". He was this monstrous. Um, 
There was another guy who was a tiny little, tiny little guy with a huge belly. Um, and everyone just called him fat ace and, you know, but he, he didn't care. He looked great. Um, and so the contest was good. The gene content, the gene guys were the most dramatic and they would bring the contestants up on a balcony that, and kind of, they would look down and everyone would look up at them. And the gene guys came up and they kind of did their first initial things. And then when they made the cut and they had the semifinals, the gene started whipping out their magic. One guy came up. He was in a live era jean, very, very thin, live dressed to kill, very sparse costume, but he had that sort of thin vibe that Gene used to have back then. It was very, when he was really a, like a, like a Skeletor type guy. He came out and he had some like little flat, like little fire flash things in his hands. And so he sat there and he kind of did his pause and his pose and then he kind of whipped his hands apart and like fire blew out like a magic thing and everyone just went berserk. Then the next dude got up. This guy actually won. Um, he had blood capsules and no one knew and all the genes had just come up and just kind of like grimaced and, you know, said like, Oh yeah. And things like that. He came up and did his whole pose and then just slowly leaned his head back. And then the blood just came and just poured down him and everyone just was like screaming. It was just great. So, Sounds um, awesome. yeah. And that, and that was, that was the, the end for us basically. Um, they had other things that went on through the night. They had karaoke, uh, the the other bands played all night, Skid Row, uh, Bad City, but we had had our fill um, and got back to our crib and you know got ready for the next day.
So would you recommend the Kiss Cruise to everyone? Hell yeah. How much did you pay? Thirteen fifty a person. That's pretty good. And of course you'd do it again. Absolutely awesome. As a card carrying lifelong member of the Kiss Army, did you ever think you'd be a member of the Kiss Navy? <laughs> oh man. It's uh I guess I'm just a plebe in the Kiss Navy, but uh I think it's a good angle for Gene. Chris, I really appreciate you being on the show. It was a blast talking to you, and thanks so much for sharing your Kiss Cruise experiences with us. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. It was a great honor to participate, and I hope everyone can enjoy it, and they, too, can someday get on the cruise. And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podkist.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late great Eric Carr, and the late great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podkist is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podkist is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podkist crew, Thank you for listening to Podcast, the Kiss fanzine for your ears. <laughs>